So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com. The itsy-bitsy spider went up the water spout. Do you want me to finish it? Down came the rain and washed the spider out. You're not doing the hand signals. Frank would be disappointed. Out came the sun and dried up all the rain. Bring it home, honey. The itsy bitsy spider something. <laughs> you don't have that one quite down. Coco Melon. <laughs> Welcome to episode 23 of the super world famous So I Married an Alcoholic podcast. I'm Chris, I'm an alcoholic. And I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. What's going on, baby girl? Not much. Speaking of world famous, was I reading you off some of our newest countries that have hit the list? I don't think I was paying attention. Why don't you review them? That's shocking. Hmm. Um, I think Bahrain was on there. Where is that? I don't know. Middle Easty? Sounds tropical. <laughs> uh, the Philippines, Denmark, a whole bunch of stuff. Hold on, now I gotta look. It's gonna drive me crazy. It's interesting. Just goes to show you that there's alcoholics around the world. It really is. It's some of the places I didn't even think they were like allowed to listen to things like podcasts. No, I think you can. They'll just cut off your ears afterwards. <laughs> Qatar is one of them. These are some new ones. Iceland! It's very cold there. No, it's the opposite. Oh, shit. Uh, United Arab Emirates? Sounds fancy. It is. United. I'm just saying, we're all over. So, a couple of housekeeping items. As you know, I like to start off with some housekeeping items. I want to thank the sponsors, Marlene Graphics, our studio sponsor. MarleneGraphics.com for all of your printing needs. Also, of course, RealtorAndABaby.com. RealtorAndABaby.com for all of your real estate needs. In our first really urgent housekeeping item. Oh boy. We are still looking for a redhead for Cousin Andrew. And the Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch. We oh. actually haven't mentioned the Sasquatch in a couple of weeks. I know. I, we didn't forget you though. Don't worry. No, I'm going to take the bird dog out tomorrow. <laughs> Teacher to hunt Sasquatches. <laughs> I'm going to look for the Sasquatch. <laughs> We don't even know if it's local. Maybe he's in Bahrain. Well, we won't know if we don't take the bird dog out. <laughs> Gotta try. So we are back in the home studio, the Casa de Alcoholism. That's a nice name for it. I mean, it's better than some of the other things I was thinking of. Okay. It is what it is. We got back from a road trip to Auntie Gay Peace. And as you're all well aware, of course, if you listen to episode 22, the trip to the Berkshires was a... Uh, smashing success it sure was we had a great time we really did we had a ton of fun up there uh we hung around with auntie gay p in his new palatial berkshire's estate he got to spend some great quality time with frankie he did so the one day this is actually like such a sweet and adorable story so chris frankie as we've talked about is like the princess in the pay right she is a great sleeper as long as she's in her own bedroom she cannot be distracted true story so she slept in a first floor bedroom and so did jp and we slept upstairs in the master bedroom 
Uh, you're actually not allowed to call it a master bedroom any longer. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. What is it now? It's a primary suite. Mm. It was owner suite for a hot minute, but somehow that was still like some sort of negative connotation. Interesting. So now it must be the primary suite. I feel like we should get into this later in the episode. We may. Okay. And so anyway, the first night I'm like, didn't sleep well, tossing and turning, worrying about her waking up and waking up JP. I don't want her to disturb anyone. Um, but she slept great, right? So the next night, uh, the next day, I wake up, and all of a sudden I realize it's after 8 a.m., and I come bounding down the stairs, and there is her and Auntie JP hanging out together on the couch watching Coco Melon. Two peas in a pod. It was adorable. She had gone up like an hour prior. <laughs> and he was, still, he was so sweet. He's like, I feel bad because I feel like she probably needs a diaper, but I don't know how to change that. I'm not sure if she has milk now or what happens. I, you just got to... You just got to dive right in, right? But you know what? She was happy, and they really bonded during that moment. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it was very sweet. Thank you, Auntie Gay P. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for allowing my child to sit in her own piss and shit. <laughs> Getting a UTI. It was only an extra hour. Nah, I think I've done far worse than that. <laughs> We're going to be honest. Oh, God. <laughs> One of my many epic parenting fails. <laughs> And then, so we were on our way home, and of course, we're on the highway, and yes, before you even ask, I was driving like a complete asshole, but in the left lane. So it doesn't count. Yeah, I was in the appropriate location for asshole driving, and I see an email come on my phone. So I open it. While he's driving like an asshole. Yep. We are not hands-free. We do not have hands-free money. <laughs> <laughs> we have knee on the wheel money <laughs> oh god driving down the highway so anyways long story short uh the email starts off with uh i don't know if this is super creepy or totally up your alley but we saw your so i married an alcoholic uh, decal on the car up in the berkshires parked outside of the house and it was Auntie Gapy's neighbors. I know. How cool is that? Who, interestingly enough, uh, I want to say it was they met in a recovery house, what, seven years ago? Something like that. Does seven ring a bell? It does. Uh, and they just bought the house next to Auntie Gapy and also are bringing a child into the world. I know. I felt like we moved next door to him just in different people's bodies. That's wicked creepy. I know. So that part's creepy, yes. The fact that they started listening to our podcast and loved it because they saw our car decal is awesome. Yeah, no, that's not creepy at all. No, I know. That was the first thing we wrote back. Not creepy. In fact, exactly what we're hoping for. Yep, love it. So that was a little interesting story from the way home. It was. And then we went and picked the bird up because we did board her. <sighs> she did great, though. We, we're boarding at a new place now that doesn't have the worms or the pink eye. Correct. And it doesn't smell like piss. Not that I'm aware of. And the people are lovely. And I, I, sh I think she really likes it there. They are. They're actually quite nice. And, and again, anytime you pick up the dog or the cat or whatever from, you know, the kennel or the vets or, you know, your aunt's house from the weekend or whatever, and you pick it up alive, like that's a win. Total win. Right. When I get there and I <laughs> walk in, the woman's like, just so you know. Birdie was amazing over the weekend, but the first day that she got here, she pooped out a little pink doll 
and a piece of a towel. <laughs> and I am standing there. like Mortified. <laughs> cross-eyed, like, what the fuck? A little pink towel. And the woman was like, oh, no, it's okay. She ate and passed stool the rest of the weekend. No problem. So we didn't call you. And I was like, wow, <laughs> kind of glad you didn't. Chris gets to the car. He's like, we're terrible pet owners. <laughs> yep. Absolutely horrible. So Bertie has passed the doll. <laughs> she, she's no longer got a doll hanging out in her system. God knows how long that was there for. You know what the thing is? Bertie's one of those dogs. Like, there's all this whole list of things that are poisonous. And one of them is actually coffee. And we just read that. Bertie easily goes through a cup and a half a day. Oh, yeah. She loves the coffee. She's a fiend. I don't understand that. Even on the countertop, you come back down, you go to the bathroom, you go in the other room, you come back down, and your coffee is completely gone. She laps that thing up in a matter of 30 <laughs> seconds flat. You look on the kitchen island and there's 60 pounds and four legs on there. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Why is, how is this my life right now? And she just polished off a coffee and now she has a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. <laughs> She's reading the big book. <laughs> I have to tell her there's no smoking inside, darling. She's a little alcoholic bird doggy. It's perfect. I know. Truly found our match. <laughs> All right, any more housekeeping items, darling? Oh, not that I can think of. All right, so let's change gears a little bit. Okay. In keeping with the true spirit of the So I Married an Alcoholic podcast... Let's talk about something that happened over the weekend on Halloween, as a matter of fact. Happy Halloween, darling. Happy Halloween. And let's talk about how our, uh, is it fair to say, thoughts, feelings, emotions can sometimes get in the way when we are not being super transparent or honest with each other or when you say something to me like, how are you doing or what's going on? that I turn that immediately into some sort of attack because I am a projector of feelings? I would say that's fair. Okay. So this weekend we had an insanely busy weekend. Mac had a basketball tournament plus two other sports games, and Chris takes the whole weekend off. Damn right. It's on the calendar. So I took the kids all over the place. We went to a game in the morning. We came back. We... On Saturday, we went, Chris actually came with us. We went to visit my grandma because unfortunately she's dying. And then Chris did take Frankie home um, for the evening because Mac's other games were over an hour away and there was two of them. In, in my most selfless act as a parent, even though I am blocked off, I took one for the team, so to speak. Sure. So the baby wouldn't be up till after nine. Correct. Okay. That was very gracious of you, honey. Damn right. Sunday comes and it's Halloween and Max invited to a friend's for a trick-or-treat. He also has two or three games, another tournament. I take Frankie with me. Chris takes the bird dog jaunting or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's now, basketball's tough for Frankie because it's indoors. She likes outdoor games. She likes to run around, but basketball, it's very small sidelines. She has to sit in the stroller, which she hates. Um, then I let her out. She's running in the hallway, but then I feel terrible because I'm there to watch Max game, but instead I'm policing a toddler in the hallway. And the child is happy, but the other parents that have gone to see said basketball game are now pissed. Well, I mean, they find her charming, but when she's running on the court, it's, you know, interference, I guess. Well, fuck them. So anyway, I text Chris around noon and I'm like, you know, the second game, this is after we had to have a car lunch picnic. I said to him, um, you know, if Mac wins the second game, 
then the third game's not until 3.35. And at this point, Frankie hasn't napped, and she's getting really miserable. So if he does have a third game, would you be willing to come get her so she can go home and have a nap before we go out to dinner? Because we had self-imposed canceled Halloween here. Mac was going to a friend's. We were going to go out to a nice dinner, uh, the three of us. He responds with... What day is it? So I'm like, all right, I'm not playing this game. So I quit responding. About two hours later, he says, okay, what do you need? And I said, well, actually, it's fine because we're down by 10 and there's only like eight minutes left to go. I'm feeling good that this is a loss, <laughs> which is a win in my column. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> so I said, we'll probably be home in about an hour. So anyway, I get home. I was a little stressed and I have to say he's belabored this point that he is off on the weekends. It is 100% unfair. It is absolutely crazy. But I also respect, I don't know, it's something he needs. So I made a commitment to myself that I was going to be supportive of it. I wasn't going to be angry. I wasn't going to be upset. I was going to keep muddling through until, you know, hopefully eventually he realized maybe I'm being a little ridiculous or she's doing a really great job. Maybe I could help her once in a while. Which none of the above are going to happen. If you know anything about me, willpower is to the ninth level. So wishful thinking, I guess, on my part. Absolutely. That he could be like human or compassionate. Hunting to be done and golf. So I get home. Mac gets showered real quick. It's time to take him to his friends. And I call Chris. I'm like, hey, is there any chance you're going to be home in the next 10 minutes? And he's like, nope. And I was like, okay. And I hung up. So apparently he took that very offensively. My plan was, oh, okay, if he's going to be home, I'll lay Frankie down for a nap so that when I take Mac, she can take a rest before we go to dinner. Whatever, not a big deal. Loaded her in the car, took him to the friends, came back. And here I am excited about our dinner. He had a good day. So he should be in a, a stellar mood. So I shower, I even shave my legs, I brushed my hair, I put on a nice dress, I bathed the baby, I got her all dressed, and I come down, and he's sitting at the desk, and I was like, how was your day? And I go into complete asshole mode. Complete asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So I start getting a little quieter and quieter and quieter. And we go then to a friend's, stop at a friend's, and then we go out to dinner just at a local pizza place because we didn't realize it was Sunday and where we were supposed to go, the kitchen was actually closing in like 12 minutes. So we're sitting at the pizza place and I'm kind of being quiet. And at this point, I think Chris knows he's like being selfish. And so his way to remedy that is hurl insults at me. Mm-hmm. which he thinks is in jest, but in reality, he knows he's being a dick, so his, the only way he knows to fix that in his mind... Is to turn up the dickheadedness. <laughs> is to really be the biggest asshole possible. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there, I'm listening, or whatever, and all of a sudden, big crocodile tears start running down my face. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. And I'm not even sure what sparked it, but at this point, I had had enough. And I think in true, so I married an alcoholic fashion, this has probably been building. I would say that's accurate. Um, I think there's probably some resentment on both sides. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, if we are going to keep it strictly within the resentment column, like I am super resentful that you get to leave the house every day, even though we have talked about on several occasions that, you know, the situation that we have here in our house with you going to work every day and me 
you know, doing my job, my career, and then also taking care of the childcare duties during the week is kind of the best of both worlds. And I can tell you that nine out of 10 days, like I am more than happy to do that. And I think that it also ties into what I have going on within my own career itself. Like if I'm working on a lot of things, etc., like that's when I, you know, keep things moving. Like I am happy with things. You know, I always have a project. Like we've talked about this. I am very much a, I need to stay busy like 24-7 or I lose my fucking mind. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, no, if we're sticking strictly with the resentments, like yes, I get super bullshit that even though you work you know, 40, 50, 55 hours a week, whatever it ends up being, the daily parenting stuff falls on me. Well, and I think where I get resentful is, I I do get that because when Mac was little, I was a stay-at-home mom for about a year and a half and I would have killed to go to the grocery store alone for four hours. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I totally get that, needing that time, which is why I try to be respectful of yours. I think that I get resentful because... You say the parenting duties fall on you 100% during the week. I'm the one that's up with the dog out, making lunch in the morning. You know what I mean? I don't say, well, I went to work. I do nothing else today. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get super resentful. Sure. Um, you know, well, actually, I'm wearing both hats. You know, it's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's both some resentment there. And then, um, you know, we have these cameras in our house because... Chris is insane. And so it's a fun pastime at work where we pop in and watch Frankie. As soon as Chris starts to speak, I turn it off because I'm afraid what's going to happen. Not necessarily like, you know, office environment friendly. Nope. Yesterday we were watching, or Friday or whatever, we were watching Frankie dance in front of the oven. Like so pleased with herself that she could see her reflection. (laughs) And we watch her like move her cans of condensed milk around. You know, like we just laugh at her all day. But anyway... Some days I'll notice that Chris is still in a robe and maybe laying on the couch till 4 p.m. Absolutely. There's a part of me that gets super resentful because here I am, him being like, I need my weekends. I parent all week. And I'm like, really? Because you took six naps on Tuesday. I actually don't nap during the day. You don't fall asleep, but you like binge watch 13 episodes. You're getting that message on Netflix that says, are you sure you're still watching? Because you haven't touched the button in four and a half hours. That's totally Coco Melon, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, but anyway, I do get resentful about that. But I think also at the heart of it, I know that he's a doer. And I know when he's having days like that, he's not in a great place. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think the the sort of shitty thing about this is that, you know, I don't speak up, at least not right away. And I think that if I may speak for you, I think that if you are feeling a certain sort of way, you don't always speak up right away. And what happens is it builds and builds and builds and eventually either turns into a blowout Or, you know, I go into silent mode or something like that, you know? And I think any um, hardship that we've had in our marriage where one of us has kind of hit a stumbling block of some sort, it 100% has come from that, letting the build happen without saying anything. And I think we do ask occasionally, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll say, what's going on with you? Mm -hmm. 
I think both of us tend to meet that with defensiveness. Yeah. So I think a lot of times, you know, when you ask me how I'm doing or is there something on my mind or something's bothering me, I think that oftentimes not only is it a defensive thing and maybe even deeper than that, it's like, well, I'm a dude and it doesn't really serve me to share my feelings, even though you're my wife and I can share you know, some of my most intimate details with you, right? I sometimes feel like it's almost like a point of weakness. I was just going to say, do you think it... You know what I'm saying? And that's not necessarily like who I am, although obviously I'm sure there's a layer of that somewhere in there because we just talked about how I am not always super honest with you about stuff. And I think that, you know, I try to do my best to share things with you but again you know like we talked about a couple of minutes ago like I am a projector of feelings definitely so even if you're like hey how was how was your day today and I'm like yeah fuck you like that doesn't serve anybody no not at all and then that in and of itself turns into a thing right I almost think sometimes and maybe I do it too like you push me to the point where I get upset and now all of a sudden it's me. I'm the crazy one or I, you know what I mean? It's my problem. I think in all fairness, it's because you are the crazy one. <laughs> Doubt it, bro. But no, I do feel that way. And I, it's funny because when Chris is being a total asshole, I actually know it's about him, but it doesn't matter. It still hurts. Sure. And, you know, then it does, you know, so now we're talking about it, right? Because I cried at the dinner because he was obviously feeling some sort of way that he wasn't going to talk about. He was just going to lay in his bathrobe and then go bird dog all weekend. It's a bird dogging. Okay. It's It's a verb. However you want to do it, hon. A verbal phrase. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and then, you know, it gets to the point where now I'm upset. So it's come to a head and we'll talk about it eventually. Yes, absolutely. And even though like that is obviously not the way to do things, I think the preferred way to do things would be to have that conversation, you know, like days ago so that we're not feeling some sort of way. Uh, I mean, we're losing valuable time just like sitting in our own shit, so to speak. Well, and it's funny because it didn't come to an argument or anything Sunday. Well... I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes. I think that, again, you know, one of the many reasons that we started doing this podcast is that we sort of do have that opportunity to, like, sit down here in the studio and go over those things in a more productive manner that otherwise, you know, a year ago would have swept under the rug. Right. And I think, you know... It kind of came out after, you know, I kind of laid it out there and was like, I'm feeling really unappreciated, disrespected almost to a point. And this is all on you. (laughs) And what's on me is the fact that obviously there's something deeper going on with Chris that I wasn't acknowledging that everything's so busy and so crazy. I'm not one to like to rock the boat. I'd rather just, you know, he says he's fine. I guess he's fine. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, and that doesn't serve anyone either. And then I think that, you know, just being this time of year, again, we are in North America, the Northeast, so it's getting colder out. The days are shorter. Ugh. Yeah, you know, 
it is what it is. It's good hunting weather, but that's besides the point. You know, it's probably a good time that we talk about seasonal depression. You know, maybe it's the, the chicken or the egg theory when it comes to, you know, our alcoholism. Like, are there layers of depression built into that? Is there some sort of mental health component built into that? Yeah, and I, I think it's funny. I was thinking about this, you know, after we kind of had a private uh, depression talk last night. And I actually am not, um, depression's not something I've ever really felt deeply. I, I don't know what that feels like. I'm on the anxiety end of the spectrum. <laughs> 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 like I can be anxious about absolutely anything. But, you know, a, a, a blessing, I guess, is I, I've actually never felt that extreme depression. Um, but what I was thinking about last night is as I was going to bed, and this may sound terrible, but like, you know, postpartum depression is a real thing. And when I had Frankie, Chris had it. I did. I would say 100%. That's Do interesting. you think about that summer that happened? I may have been tearful at times, but I was not depressed. I didn't isolate. I didn't do any of those things. But you did. I Definitely did. I don't know. So I guess this is where, you know, you as the medical provider uh, could shed a little bit of light on this. You would say, like, I had the postpartum depression, which is fine. Like, mm -hmm. if, if that's my diagnosis, it is what it is. I would call it not interested. And so I equate that to depression. Does that make sense? Feeling apathetic about your family and your newborn isn't a normal feeling. You know, think about people like the clinical de definition or whatever of being depressed. Mm -hmm. It's it's often things like that, you know, N not being able to build relationships, not connecting with people, withdrawing from social situations or from your family, mm -hmm. you know, which I think in a lot of ways is exactly what you did. I think it's interesting that you say that. And I think that it also begs the question, like, is that just life on life's terms, like they say in the program? Is that, you know, the highs and lows of marriage and parenting and seasons and things like that? Or is there a more deep-seated clinical issue going on there? You know, like, I would, I will be the first to tell you, like, my life improved exponentially the moment that I dropped the drugs and the alcohol but I don't necessarily think that, you know, that's where the work ended, so to speak. So I guess the question would be, do you think were there or is there some sort of deeper seated issue going on there? I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's my place to judge. But like I said, it was interesting that last night after we had kind of had this conversation, I laid there in bed thinking about that and thinking like that summer I have after I had the baby, like he was depressed. You know, and I obviously, you know, could only think about myself and the fact that I wasn't sleeping through the night and I was tired and I didn't have a supportive husband, mm -hmm. you know, where in reality, you know, what I should have been thinking about is this is a man that I know loves his family very much and we haven't seen him in a couple of days because he's so checked out and by a couple of days, I, I, you know, I don't mean that, but you know, he's a couple not, hours at least. Every I mean, day a round week. of golf is four hours, let's be honest. <laughs> no, but like you had completely checked out. You know, does that make sense? And I, I laid there in bed last night thinking like, damn, I missed that one. I was so concentrated on, you know, how it was 
affecting my life and me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, it's almost like the same thing. You know, here I am crying the big crocodile tears. And, you know, is there something else going on? I know Chris projects and he can get nasty when he's in a bad place. You know, am I missing something? And I think you're right. Your life gets exponentially better when you put down drugs and alcohol. But the work obviously doesn't start there. It only or stop there. It just starts. Right. And I don't know if all that goes away. You know, I I think that we're happy people. I think we live happy, productive lives. But I don't know. I mean, we've said before in this, you know, we believe 12 step program can cure all that ails you. Can it cure like true chemical imbalance that can bring you to those lows? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. That's for someone much smarter than I am. Um, I guess the question is, what do you what where do you go from here? Where do we go from here? It's interesting because, you know, we started this podcast originally as a way for us to communicate better as a couple and to be, I think, better people and to also spread awareness, so to speak. And also because I had absolutely zero interest in going to, you know, couples therapy or marriage counseling or whatever happy label we're putting on it these days. (laughs) But again, you know, now that, you know, we just had this little conversation and I start to look back at certain events, you know, over the past 12 months, 18 months or whatever, would it honestly better serve me to go speak to, you know, a mental health professional? Because again, I I come from a place of, well, (laughs) I'm not getting higher drunk anymore. Like I'm fine. Right. Is that enough? I don't know. And the thing is, well, I mean, I'm the first one to tell you, no, it's not enough because it's not enough for me. We've talked about Mm -hmm. that at nauseam, right? What's the point in not getting drunk if you're not going to live your best life? Which I think I do. Absolutely. But is it your are you living your best life by bird dogging and country clubbing and all those things? Or is that just a filler for something else that you feel is missing or that has you down? I think it's a good question. You know, and I'm not trust me, I'm not looking for a problem. We really don't have that much time for problems right at this moment. (laughs) 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 But, you know, if it makes you more tolerable, I'd be willing to see where it goes. No, sure. So again, I I can say that I enjoy all of these activities because yes, it is a massive distraction and it keeps my time occupied and it keeps me away from things that I would rather not be doing, whether that's, you know, parenting or household chores or or, maybe just thinking or feeling or thinking or feeling. Absolutely. So it's interesting because, again, like I said, until you said those words last night and sometimes I lay there and I wonder, am I depressed? Is this, you know, am I going to a place of depression? I Like my heart sunk. I felt awful hearing you say that because I, I, it wasn't on my radar per se. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I like I said, I knew something was up, but like to actually sit here and think, you know what? Maybe there's something up to the point where you should go talk to someone about it. Sure. You know, like I, you know, and you've talked about how in the past with your addiction, you've struggled with depression. So, you know, like we said, that's not necessarily something that is cured per se, sort of like alcoholism. Mm-hmm. You know, it requires maintenance. No, absolutely. It, I would say, well, you know, I was super depressed because I felt like shit and I couldn't get high and I didn't have money to do this and that and the other thing. But again, now that we've dropped that piece of my life, like that no longer plays into the equation. Uh, how is it relevant that I'm still 
quote unquote, doing the drugs via the bird dog, you know, the various leisure activities. Yeah, like chicken or egg. Right, exactly. You know, and I think we've talked about that too. What comes first, the mental health piece or the alcoholism, you know? Mm -hmm. Is it we can't, we're depressed or anxious because we drink or we drink because we're anxious or depressed? It's probably a little bit of both. No, I would definitely say it's a little bit of both. You want to know something funny? So like I talked about, I haven't really suffered from depression, but at times in my life, debilitating anxiety. And I, um, we were talking about this when we were in rehab and one of my very good friends that I met there, she was saying, you know, every morning I wake up here and I have like crushing chest panning anxiety, like a full panic attack. And I was like, really me too. I don't know why, like I'm sober, but I'm waking up every morning gasping for air. Like I'm that anxious. And she's like, I figured it out. And I was like, what is it? And she's like, normally when I would wake up after drinking, I would reach for my cell phone (laughs) to see what I had said, who I had offended, what I had done. And I'm still having that reoccurring anxiety. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? Now that's gone away since, right? Mm -hmm. But I can still get super anxious about every little everyday events, you know, or anxiety of my own making or any of the above, any of the above. Sure. It has nothing to do with drinking or you know what I drank the night before right no absolutely so I don't know I you know like I said I'm fully supportive wherever you want to go from here with it but I thank you for having this very honest conversation with me oh but truly my pleasure again like we were talking about it I think Megan had mentioned this a little while ago like is this something you want to talk about and I'm like well yeah like I don't feel any sort of way interestingly enough about saying Maybe I do have another defect or the fact that there is something deeper than just, you know, not drinking or not using, you know what I'm saying? And it is one of those things because I think at the end of the day, regardless, I do, I love you, obviously, and I love my family and I love our life. But if there's, if I am not taking care of those underlying issues then what's the point? Because eventually, like I will tell you straight up, I'm the type of person I will let it fester and put it on the back burner or put it on the back burner forever and ever. And then someday, eventually, like this is all just going to go away. Yeah, no, it's true. And again, like we say over and over again, there is no point to being sober, at least to us, without trying to live a better life. Absolutely. Even if that means better living through pharmaceuticals. <laughs> the legal kind that are prescribed. Yes, of course. So I think I have some homework to do. I think you may. Which is okay. And now you have insurance. Which is even better. It's an option. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like I said, whatever you want to do with it, however you want to go with it, I don't think it's a bad idea to like maybe reach out and talk to someone about it. No, absolutely. I was just going to say, I don't think it's going to hurt to explore or at least sit down with somebody that is, you know, well-versed in, is there uh, such a thing as a post-substance abuse depression? Yeah. Maybe we just created a new field. I like it. Either way. I would think so. I mean, you talk, people talk about having like PTSD from it. And do I think it's to that extreme now? Like, get over yourself, bud. But (laughs) See, always belittling. I'm just joking. This is why I don't talk to you about my depression. You know what the thing is, though? We actually did have this conversation maybe six months after the baby was born. I don't know if you remember this. 
Probably not. But I totally called you out on being depressed. Interesting. Because we weren't having sex. Oh. Remember? Yeah, no, but then I was like, no, it's not depressed. I'm just not attracted to you. Projecting. Interesting. Right? Huh. It's an interesting story because you may not have been attracted to me at that moment, but Lord knows you had sex with people much less attractive than me at that moment. Not in that particular moment, at least not that I know of, and I appreciate that. I was like, wait a minute. I'm just saying. You're, um... Like, I was six months postpartum, but it, like, wasn't the worst thing you'd ever seen or gotten into bed with. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like you have a very high self-worth in that moment, which is, like, good for you. Devastating. I'm just saying. Wasn't that good, huh? Eh. Actually, if you forget it, just take a look to the left. No, that's my right. Uh, whatever. It's my left. You're right. See, this is why you're not a surgeon. <laughs> Actually, the people like you are why assholes need to be like put the mark on their leg that says cut yeah, here. Exactly. Shit, that was the spleen, not the appendix. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, let's get the hell out of here. I obviously have some shit that I need to take care of. Say All good right. night, darling. Good night, darling. I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. And remember, if you're struggling in any way, please put your hand up, reach out, ask for help. So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. Realtorandababy at gmail.com.